You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yo, welcome into the House of L podcast. I am Lawrence Holmes. Thanks so much for hanging out and checking out today's episode. We are brought to you by our fine folks over at Aurelio's. Yes, the best pizza in the land. Aurelio's.com. You should search for the location that's nearest and dearest to you. While it's not the nearest, it is the dearest. The location in Homewood is the dearest to me because I grew up eating Aurelio's Pizza, discovered Aurelio's Pizza when we moved out there. So I still love going there and getting my pizza from the Aurelio's in Homewood. And it's great. It's it's the sauce. You know that. Been around since 1959. The quality of the food is amazing. You can taste it in every bite of Aurelio's. And as I said last week, if you know someone who's looking for a part-time job, you got a high schooler or a college student that's trying to pay their way through college that wants a part-time job, you should think about working at Aurelio's. The people who work there really love it, and I know that Joe will take good care of you over there. So, Aurelio's.com. All that stuff is order some pizza. You're thinking about it right now. That's right. You are thinking about it right now. As you should be. It's delicious. It's the sauce. On this week's episode, I got this. It's weird. This is. This is exactly the type of episode of House of L that I love to do. The reason why is that in this interview that I do with Brandon Pope of WCIU, it is equal parts extremely serious conversation about journalism and then a half hour of foolishness. The foolishness comes in the form of us talking about Marvel. See, the thing about Brandon Pope is he is a man of all seasons. He is the president of the Chicago chapter of the National Association of Black Journalists. He takes his journalism very seriously. Doesn't take himself too seriously, which is why he's perfect for this podcast. 
but he does take journalism pretty seriously. And I'll, I'll get to why that makes sense with the new show that he's on. But he also, for a long time on WCIU, was doing a lot of the entertainment stuff. He was going to movie premieres and talking to celebrities. And he even did a marathon of the Marvel movies before Endgame came out. He did it over at the AMC River North. Sat there and watched all of them leading up to the release of Endgame. He, he's an aficionado of this stuff. Like He cares about it. So if you're someone who likes to jump into this podcast because you really enjoy some of the geeky stuff, man, do we have an episode for you. But before we get to that part of it, there's a new show on WCIU called On the Block, and I'm fascinated by it. Full disclosure, my best friend, Afia Owusu, is the executive producer of this show. This is her concept. So I, I would be lying if I told you that I wasn't biased here. I will say that even with that bias, like we critique each other hard, she and I. Like she has been she has more than a few times said you didn't look good on TV or you could have looked better on TV and you could have blah 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 blah. And I will be like, hey, why didn't you do this or do that? It's one of the beautiful things about our friendship is that we can criticize each other in, in the most loving way possible. I love the concept on this show. WCIU teamed up with Block Club Chicago. And if you're not following Block Club Chicago, you should. They do hyper-local reporting from each neighborhood in the city. And that, to me, is wonderful. It's, I'm so interested in that part of journalism because as journalism has grown and expanded and companies expand and they're, they're, you're seeing in some cases that expansion at the national level has meant a contraction in the local level. Like I'm not trying to throw shade, but if you read the Sun-Times and Tribune like I do, I've got subscriptions to both. In the local sports section, you're going to find a lot of the coverage be done by Associated Press. And that's because they're dealing with budget restraints. Like, I'm not mad at the people over the Tribune. I know that they're working hard to try to cover as much ground as they can at the score. We don't really have a reporting department anymore. Luckily, we still have people that are on the beat, but it used to be we had a reporter for each beat. And now we don't. We don't have updates anymore over at the score. And I, I wish we did, but we don't. And it's a, it's a budget issue. So I always thought that what would end up happening is that if all of these places have to, you know, if the score and the Tribune and the Sun-Times have to take away little pieces of local information, that it's going to then serve as an opportunity for there to be some expansion where some of that stuff can be served. I think in the case of the score, that expansion is in podcasting. Like, oh, you're not getting enough Blackhawks talk? Well, guess what? Jay Zawoski and James Naveau 
have the Madhouse podcast or Josh and Jim have the Socks Machine podcast or any number of other pods that can give you specifically what you want. Now, there is a danger in only living inside of the echo chamber that is like your fandom and where I do think sometimes the Tribune, the Daily Herald, the Athletic, the score are still valuable is that there there should be an opportunity to try and be fair and critical on some of these subjects that we can't just turn ourselves over to being fanboys and fangirls of the teams that we cover. And there is that danger when you're doing a specific podcast. Like if you're doing an SEC football podcast, like if I start doing a Bama podcast, you kind of know which way I'm leaning. Although I'm, I try to be critical of them when I have to be too. Not that you have to be roll tide. See what I see? See what just happened? See, you see, but the, the hyper-local journalism that Block Club Chicago does, I think, is really valuable. So seeing WCIU team up with them, I, I think it's such a great idea. And I watched the premiere episode on the block airs Thursday nights at 7 p.m. on WCIU. And you can watch it for yourself. The difference between this and other newscast in Chicago is the level of depth that Block Club and CIU can go into on particular subjects. Think of it as what if John Oliver was doing like a local show where he can take more than 30 seconds to work on a story. Well, Oliver usually is like 16 or 17 minutes of a deep dive. On the Block isn't quite doing that, but they're doing as close as they can. Meaty subjects that can't just be explained away with excellent writing. And I know the news writers in every, at every station in Chicago, they are doing their damnedest to try and give you the story in 45 seconds. But it's almost impossible to do that. And so they're doing a really good job of, of giving you these stories in really really dense segments where there's an exploration of everything that might come into play. So Brandon Pope hosted, and that's another thing you'll notice. This, is, this isn't your traditional newscast. He's not a traditional host. The approach of it is not traditional, and I actually think that it's, that's a good thing. I also think that this is going to be copied, and I, I explained to, to B. Pope in here why I think that's the case. But if you're looking for something new, you, you want to get a different view on how, how Chicago news goes, I think that on, on the block is on the right track. So this is my conversation with Brandon Pope, and don't worry, it's not all super serious. There will be talk of Spider-Man. I promise you, in the second half of this conversation, this is me and Brandon Pope talking about the new show on WCIU, The U, on the block, here on the House of L podcast. You know me and Afia are super tight. Like, that's that's my ace right there. 
So anything that she does, I'm going to be down with it. But I got to tell you, after watching the first episode of On the Block, I'm really impressed on how you all are reshaping how we look at local news. Well, what what do you think is different about what it is you guys do? Yeah, I appreciate that, man. I really do. I I think there's a few things. One, I mean... I think the major critique many have of like modern day TV news is that it's a little too stodgy. It's too distant and people helicopter in, in a sense, meaning they, you know, pull up for a quick turn story, minute 30 package, and then they added the community and you don't see them until the next shooting. Right. Whereas we get a chance here with this show. It's actually, it's a weekly news show. We pre-tape it. We're able to really dive into issues because of that. And being able to work with Block Club Chicago, this hyper-local neighborhood news organization, these reporters actually live in the areas they cover. So having that only sharpens our coverage and gives us more time to be able to like dive deeper than traditional news would be able to, traditional TV news in a sense. So that's that's the immediate difference I see. And then the, the style itself, I mean, like I said, more laid back. I'm not wearing no tie, I'll tell you that. You're never gonna see me in a tie, that's not going to happen. Um, I'm wearing J's, sweatshirts, hoodies, whatever, um, because we got to meet people where they are. Right. Um, so that's what it's all about to me. We got selfie style storytelling, meaning, you know, it's different than a news package. A package, it's got a little form- formulaicness to it when you watch a standard news story, whereas these selfie stories from our reporters on the ground with Block Club, you know, they're actually on the story as they're talking about it. And they're, they're, they're hitting you up and giving you all the key details and insights you need to know. So uh, I love it, man. The key thing obviously is just the community, right? And being a resource, because that's really what journalism is about. It's about the people. It's about making sure we're informing, educating, being introspective, understanding. And ultimately, in my opinion, in my philosophy on things is like, that is how we fix a lot of the greatest issues we face as a city, as a country, as a world, is through storytelling and through journalism. And so we, we got a great chance to do that here. Um, first episode, I was really happy with it, and I can't wait for you guys to see some more of the stuff we do. When I was in grad school, we, we talked a lot about where journalism goes from here. And, you know, I, I started grad school in 17, and by 19, the, the industry had already changed. Like, it, the, the, the way the industry is changing is so rapid, it, it is hard to keep up. But I do remember one of the conversations that we had in grad, grad school was about where, where do we think news goes? Because we're seeing newspapers lay off a lot of writers, and they're kind of consolidating their coverage. Yeah. I always felt like when you see contraction – there's going to be expansion. And I love the idea of hyper-local news. I always felt that that was, that was what was going to happen, that there would be spaces for people to learn about their community. And almost like you're, you're kind of unspooling the role and then re-rolling it again. Like, let's get back to local news being told being the most important thing for a constituency or people who are living in a neighborhood. So I'm, I love the approach and I'm, I'm curious on how you all got on board with 
it being a hyper local product. Absolutely. Um, hyper local is where I think we're really seeing real journalism shine, right? And the, the, the challenge for TV newsrooms modern day is that it's expensive to put on a TV product compared to, you know, a, a blog or a website or, or a newspaper. Um, we th think about all the equipment it takes and um, the staffing and specialized people you need to be able to handle all that type of stuff. So having a hyper local TV newsroom is a bit of a challenge. So to be able to link up with a hyper local newsroom, an award winning one with Block Club Chicago, you know, this is what they do, right? Um, so we just take what they do and tailor it and enhance it for the television screen. Um, and that's where I think the real power is and where you're going to see potentially down the line. We're starting probably a trend here and you're seeing it even locally. You're seeing these media companies come together and say, hey, you know, maybe the best thing for our audience is to be able to combine resources and, com and join forces. And that's the best thing for these. So Block Club Chicago, they actually they did a survey. Um, Stephanie Lulay, who's the co-founder of Block Club, she um, shared this on Twitter a little bit ago. They polled people on their news habits and their consumption habits. And while they loved Block Club Chicago, they enjoyed reading the news, it found that they got most of their news from television. Hmm. So television is still a very powerful medium. But when you think about that, people are getting most of their information from TV. Then you think about what a typical TV newscast is and how much about timing and fitting as much content in a 30-minute show as possible, you realize there's some things that you're only scratching the surface on, you know? And, and that's the reason why, you know, we get things like if it bleeds, it leads, where we get things and trends of, you know, just being in certain neighborhoods when something bad is happening and not so much when we're seeing the good. That's why, you know, nationally, you know, there's this narrative of Chicago that we're just some war zone, some violent war zone. Everyone that lives here knows, you know, that's that's not the reality, right? But when you just kind of look at what you see on the news nightly at 5, 6, 7 p.m., that's the impression you're going to get. Crime, 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 violence, crime. War. At war, and not much dissection of why is that a thing? How is that a thing? So the power in hyperlocal and the power with us being weekly and having the resources to really stretch these things out and really go deeper is that we're going to be able to answer those questions. And we don't, we're not going to feel rushed or pressed for time. So, you know, right now, hot button issue is the casinos in Chicago, right? Typical TV news product is going to give you, you know, what the proposals are for the casinos. They'll give you maybe a 15-minute soundbite from someone who's opposed to it and a 15-minute soundbite from somebody who is for it. But what it's not doing and what we're able to do is actually go to these locations and actually scout them out, and actually talk to the people and give them the time and give them the space to sound off and find out things. Would a, would a casino benefit any of these communities at all? Is there a community that's not impacted here, that's not proposed for this, that could use a casino? That's what On the Block is able to do. And what I'm excited that we're going to be able to do is just give these things time to breathe. And with hyper local, 
being able to have that in your community and know that your community has a voice on TV, I think that's going to be really powerful and something that is much needed in the news landscape here. I think other news markets need a hyper-local focus as well. I agree with you. I really enjoyed the deep dive onto the Lakeshore Drive uh, project. Mm. I, I, I really, I mean, firstly, because I've always said that they should get rid of the light in Chicago. Uh, that just messes things up for everybody. Yeah. It just makes it difficult. But I had never, you know, th- this is one of those things where your bias plays a role in the way that you look at the story. I've always looked at the issues with DeSable Lakeshore Drive as being mm-hmm. something that is very south side. And seeing you all de- do a deep dive into the north end of the drive, which I never really thought about. And, and, being someone that lives close to the water out south, mm. I see the the erosion that is happening. And I never thought about it as far as an expansion piece of the drive. And seeing you really go into painstaking detail, I really feel like it's valuable for, for the consumer to understand, okay, this is what's happening, and here's why it's happening. I, I absolutely loved that segment. Oh, I appreciate that, man. And I think what helps with that segment, and I think that, that helps what we do, and why it's essential that TV kind of steps in here and, and goes deeper, is because the state of modern news is people, I, I, I got to be honest here, people aren't reading news articles like the way they used to. You know, the way social media is, People, they, they don't want to admit it, but they're looking at the headline and maybe a line or two at the top. They're not going deeper and reading the whole entire thing. Whereas with TV and even radio, they can be, you know, cooking breakfast or they can be doing chores, you know, cleaning up the house. And you can have that on in the back and you're, you're gaining information as if you're listening to a podcast, right? Um, or they can actively watch and see how we're breaking it down visually. The Lakeshore Drive issue is one that it impacts a lot of people. And it's not something that you can cover in a minute 30 with, with full depth. Um, so this is going to be something when it happens that's going to either be a headache for a lot of people or something they're going to celebrate. Everyone needs to know what part they're going to play in that and what areas of your life this may impact, right? There's people that use that every day to commute to work. There's people that need that lakefront. And we also got to talk about climate change and its impacts. Um, you know, you mentioned that erosion that we see there. You know, how are we going to address that in a changing world, a changing environment? How do we modernize that? Those are things we got to dig deeper into. So I'm glad, I'm, I'm, thank, I'm thank you for complimenting that and I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I'm hoping that, you know, as we dig into more deeper issues, we're able to do that um, continuously and, and, you know, keep that momentum. Considering your background with WCIU and being someone that was out in the streets, like you, you covered some fun stories, like mornings where I would show up there occasionally you were doing a, a fun story, but, <laughs> but I think I'm thinking of one in particular. The, yes. The yes. Monster truck rally. <laughs> yes. The, you've done the monster truck rallies and, and, and all of that stuff. And, and the morning show that was on WCIU was really fun and it was light. But I also know that you haven't been out in the field. You covered some stories that were tough, too. How do you think 
that prepared you to be the person in front of the monitor on on the block? Wow, that's that's a good question, man. Uh, I'm a guy who is very community focused in almost everything I do. Um, when I moved to Chicago, I knew the first thing I needed to do was be a member of this community, be immersed in it. Because when we talk about gentrification, one of the reasons why gentrification is what it is, because the people that move in don't contribute to the place they're moving into to try to make that place better. Um, so I, I, I was determined not to be that person. And I'm always determined to be that. When I was working in South Bend as a news reporter and doing sports with Notre Dame and stuff, I had the same mentality. So Chicago, same thing. So I started out at WCIU basically as just their news reporter, even though my interests and my passions are even, you know, more expanded than that. You know, you and I have had lots of sports conversations and geeky conversations and nerdy conversations. And then our friend Afia comes in and she lets everyone know, yo, Brandon's a guy, he's more than just a news reporter. He's got really great perspective. He knows the community, but he also is great with sports. He's great with entertainment. He's great at just interviewing people. Um, having that range of experiences helps me to more, I think, accurately be authentically myself on TV for one. But two, you know, like you said, I've been on the ground. I know a lot of these people that I'm interviewing. I know a lot of the major, you know, playmakers here and and key decision makers. When we're interviewing candidates for mayor, most of those people I've interviewed before, like we have those relationships established. Um, having that rapport adds some credibility for one to the show, but two, adds some credibility for me and and for and, and some comfort to the person that's going to be interviewed, knowing that hey, you're dealing with someone that is going to be holding you accountable but it's going to be fair and it's going to have a human conversation with you. Um, and so that, that, that's what I, that, all that prepared me in a sense, you know, it's all been an incredible ride an incredible boot camp, um, and a roller coaster. It's not been easy because I didn't come in here wanting to be boxed into a news reporter role. And I got to be honest, I kind of was when I first got here, I didn't want to. Um, and I was thankful that Afia was able to see something bigger in me. And so now with this show, you know, we're able to, um, you know, I can show some personality, I can show some flair, um, I can be myself, and I can also show my passion uh, for this great city that I'm in and the city I don't plan on leaving uh, anytime soon. How do you think the pandemic, what role do you think the pandemic played in like the shaping of On the Block? Ooh. Yeah. If the answer is none, the answer is none. I'm just curious what you think. So mm, I think with shaping on the block, I think the pandemic had, may have had a factor in the sense of like people have, we saw with the pandemic, people's need for reliable, trusted information, especially at a local level, especially with pandemic news, uh, was probably higher than ever, you know, especially the height of the pandemic where we really just don't know what's going on and what local leaders can do about it, what they're supposed to be doing about it. Um, Block Club Chicago and that hyper-local journalism was on the front lines there and making sure people understood, um, making sure people had all the information they needed. They had a hotline ready to go to educate people and also some deep level investigative reporting on people that were abusing 
some things with COVID, like Laredo Hospital um, and people that were, you know, violating different orders. And they were just really keeping people um, ahead of the curve. And people really, really were thirsting for that information. So if anything, I feel like that level of urgency and increased demand for local, reliable, well-sourced news kind of, you know, gave us the, the green light to get uh, on the block going. Um, but also the pandemic too, like forced people to be creative. You know, uh, when, you're, when you're told that you can't go do a TV show anymore, right? You gotta start thinking of something different. You gotta think of new ways to tell stories beyond just the traditional put a mic in somebody's face. Um, and now that we have Zoom and all these other ways to communicate, um, we can use those things. Um, and tell some really cool stories that way and not be separated by, you know, uh, South and West and East and, uh, and North, it can kind of bring the city more together uh, pretty easily. So I think those things are, are the way that the pandemic may have helped give birth to what on the block is. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm so happy that you said that. And the reason why is that in all things, the, there's been a rush to get back to mm. what we were instead of making sure that we take the time to look at some of the innovation mm-hmm. where, where, you know, like we were forced into innovation in not just our industry, but in every industry. And why not then take some of that and then improve upon mm-hmm. it? So like the selfie reporting, like that to me, that speaks to, listen, we might not have, a studio like we might not be able to bring our director in we might mm-hmm. not be able to have a crew let's do this and let's be able to to share some of the stories i i love that like i love innovation like i remember when the pandemic first started i had already started doing like before like maybe 6 weeks before i was doing interviews on zoom mm. and it was just it, it, I it was one of those things I learned about in grad school, it, it, and I you know was like okay, well, this is a way I can get to people if I can't bring them into the studio. At least right. we can still be face to face, kind of. It's more intimate than a phone call, and I now look at that and go, man, I was a little bit ahead of the curve. I <laughs> I were. I was ready, like when I was ready to continue, whether it was my pod or the radio show. Quite honestly, like I was ready for <laughs> this new frontier that that we were on. So yeah. seeing seeing WCIU take advantage of here's some tech. Like let's take something. Let's do some applied learning. We learned that we can throw together shows. Like you guys were doing shows during the pandemic via Zoom, and now like you've got a studio. You you're back in the studio but you're still using elements of things that have happened in the last two years. And I think that's a really, really smart way to go about it. Yeah, man. And I've been telling people, I don't think zoom is going away. Right. Cause I think, I, I think it unlocked just that it let people know there's other ways of doing things. Right. Um, the way that we live life and the way we go about everything is changing. Uh, people want people to go back to the offices now. Right. But people have realized I don't really need to be in an office for this 11 a.m. meeting when I can just hop on Zoom. I don't need to, com- you know, do that commute 
through busy traffic and gas is you know expensive right now like you know people are understanding and having greater agency as well over their own work-life balance and their own abilities and what they need in a job and what they need to feel comfortable in a job so i i'm thankful honestly that yeah you know, i'm like you know the pandemic was painful but i'm i'm, I'm thankful for the innovations that came out of it and I think it's gonna it's gonna help a lot of people too, just beyond journalism. It's gonna help content creators. You know, it's gonna help people find new ways to create income and new ways to connect with people. So we gotta embrace those things, bruh. And I think our show does a great job of doing that. And I'm thankful to Waggle Broadcasting for always being kind of ahead of the curve and being open to to ideas. Like they're really, really they're just people you can just hit up and say, hey, here's my pitch. And they never get annoyed with you, right? Like they, they, they are, they are always open for more. That's what they breed a, they breed a culture of creativity and a culture of inclusivity and a culture of let's make sure we're doing the best to represent the communities that need it most, which is the biggest thing to me. And my biggest thing is like, I'm not, I got to be purposeful in what I do. And I don't want to be fighting battles. I've had to do that at, at past workplaces. I don't need to be fighting battles about whether we can or cannot cover a black issue mm-hmm. or a Latino issue. Like I, I, I don't have the the mental bandwidth at this point in my life to want to have those fights. And with Waggle Broadcasting, it's never a fight. It's encouraged. It's it's expected to tell those stories. It's expected to put those communities first and understand that we have gaps in the way we've covered these communities, these underserved communities for so long. And so it's our job and responsibility as journalists to close that gap in any way we can. And through long form storytelling, through hyper local journalism and through what we're doing with On the Block, I'm hoping we can help do that here in Chicago. This is going to sound stupid when I say it, but (laughs) understand that I am giving you a compliment. I look forward to when other stations in Chicago completely copy on the block because <laughs> it's coming. It, it is. Yeah. It's coming because people are going to be like, oh, yeah, I guess we should have, like, done that thing right there that they did. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I look forward to it. Um, Afia always says, and I, I when she and I talk about you, I'm like he's too young to be this damn good. Like he's he's really too young to be this damn good. I so, appreciate that, bro. I'm still learning. So so I I'm curious. When did you feel like you not only had something to say, but understood how you could say it? Mm. Wow. <laughs> That's a deep one. Finding my voice was difficult, to be honest. Why? Um, I've always been a person who shrinks themselves in a sense. Um, Because I was always kind of taught to be humble, almost too humble in a sense. Um, And because of that, humility is important. But humility should never get in the way of advocating for yourself and advocating for others and, you know, giving voice to the voiceless and things like that. And so 
for me, I was always raised, you know, humility above all, modesty above all, give all glory to God and all that type of stuff. And so I didn't feel like my voice was needed. And I and and there's still moments where I'm just like, I really don't need to chime in on this at all. Like the Will Smith stuff. I didn't care to talk about that one bit. Um, <laughs> but I what helped me hone that voice and develop and realize, okay, I do have something to say here. This is important. I was in college, Lawrence. I was in college at Ball State University. You're learning journalism. I was at a PWI, predominantly white institution. And you know, I'm being taught about objectivity and the importance of just staying firm down the line and not having opinions. And then Trayvon Martin happened. Um, Trayvon Martin killed by, um, what was his name? Oh, Zimmerman, George Zimmerman. And that was the first time in my life where I saw people who I thought cared about me say some really vile things on Facebook and um, argue that a kid, a black kid deserved to die, um, argue that he deserved to be killed. He didn't deserve to live. And I couldn't stay silent. So I got together with some other black students, organized a march on campus. Uh, we all wore hoodies and walk through campus. It shook up the school. The administration was pissed off at me. I didn't go through the proper checks and balances. That was part of it. But the journalism community, the, the, the school was mad at me. And I had to go in, into these meetings and be reprimanded and had opportunities taken away from me when I was a student. You know, I couldn't report for the school newspaper for two weeks and stuff like that. So, but, 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 but what, kept me going was all the people, all the students, especially black students and black professors who said, keep going, who said, what you said here, what you did here, it was valued, it was appreciated, it was needed, and it filled a void. Because if you didn't do that, who else would have? So that was where I started to realize, okay, I clearly, if I'm going to have a platform, I've got to use it. There's a responsibility in having a platform. Um, so that's really that's that's really where I started to hone that voice. I'm still cautious about when I use it, but it's important to use it, and it's important to be part of these conversations. As a black man, you know, it's important that I even give perspective and give color to what we're talking about. I understand what a lot of these kids go through. I understand what a lot of people are going through in this city. Because even though I'm not from Chicago, I grew up in Ohio, but we had some of the same issues of of poverty and inequality and things like that. Um, so, you know, I, I find those connective tissues um, and I start at those points and that that's how we break through to people. It is. Uh, I, I think it's good that it, it's weird because you're right. We are taught these rules of objectivity. Yeah. And I, I think it's I think the concept should be is your reporting fair? Absolutely. And and because we're all walking into it. Are you a person who's willing to admit your biases and then work mm -hmm. towards not bringing those to your reporting like to me that's that's kind of what objectivity is and it's it, it's been distilled down like a lot of institutions now where both sides 
That's mm-hmm. what's fair. Well, is it like is is does someone who is off on the fringe deserve the same amount of coverage as someone who is researched in their opinion? In some cases, the answer to that question is yes. In some cases, but in a lot of cases, the answer to that question is no. <laughs> and and. We have to be in a, a a better place in a, a media capital M. Like I think we have to do a better job of figuring out what the stories are and really giving face and license to giving people as much information as possible. Mm-hmm. And the way that we've done news before, and honestly, like sports, like the way that we do both of those things. We're we're really serving up appetizers and not always the meal. Mm, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. Appetizers you can steal that. Not one. always the meal. That's that's a really good one, man. You can take that. And one. what you said, what you? I, thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm always going to credit you, though. <laughs> You're profound. You're a profound brother. Look, what you said there about fairness being the goal. You know, I hate I hate the objectivity stuff. I can't stand it. No one is objective. Like even even the most straight, narrow broadcast journalists, you know, Tom Brokaw or Chris Wallace, there is bias in even their questioning because what colors our experiences are, are what colors what we say is our life experiences, right? So what's going to inform their questions is things that they grew up with as white guys. So when Chris Wallace is interviewing Nicole Hannah-Jones about the 1619 Project and is just flabbergasted by the notion that Black Americans built this country and is pushing back on that as if, like, that is showing some bias there, right? But because we hold the, how should I put this? Because we hold the white opinion as the overall baseline to decide what is objective, what is white, what is right and what is wrong, he doesn't get any pushback. But you get a black journalist and all of a sudden, oh no, they're too biased, all that type of stuff. Everybody's biased. There's there's gonna be something that everyone's gonna have some sort of, you know, sensibility or or triggering on, no matter what. So why not make the goal just to be fair to people, right? Just to be to real try, with like to try yeah. to be fair. Strive for fairness always, right? Give everyone a, an equal shot, right? We're not trying to get you, we're not trying to trap you, you know. But we're trying to give you an opportunity to, you know, give the audience something here, you know. So I think that's really important. You have one unheard message. <laughs> Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales.
I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Listen, I I cannot let you off this podcast before we talk <laughs> some Marvel. So oh yes. oh yes. So what have you thought of Moon Knight? Oh man. Oh man. Because so I would, seen, I can make the argument that the first episode of Moon Knight is better than the first episode of any series that they've done. Ooh, I believe you are right. Let me start by saying this: I am critical of Wandavision. I know everyone loved Wandavision, but I'm critical of it for this reason: if you're going to drop a show with a new episode every week. You can't take too long for us to get there. And WandaVision skirted very close to the line of me being like, okay, I'm just going to wait for y'all to finish up releasing these episodes and I'll check in later. Right. I want the reveal. I'm ready for the reveal. Or at least give me a sense of what we're going to, what, what are we, what is the topic? What are we talking about? What is the plot? WandaVision, it was a, it was, it was interesting. I enjoyed watching it, but I left the first three episodes still wondering, so where are we going? What is the point? What is what are we doing here? Or as Moon Knight, nah, man, episode one from the jump, we have us brought right into the world. You're introduced to the character. You have the the villain, the conflict, and obviously there's more story to tell. Sure. I think it is groundbreaking. I, I have seen four episodes of Moon Knight. Um, episode four comes out next week. I will say episode four is just like, the best episode of Marvel TV, in my opinion. What? It, well, of Marvel Disney TV. You know, we still got Daredevil and stuff like that. I hold Daredevil really high up and Punisher and stuff like that. But of Marvel Disney TV. So get ready for that. What they're able to do, what Disney's been able to do with this, is give us, one, we have a terrific actor in Oscar Isaac. He's so great. Is bringing so much to this and playing you know, two, two people, essentially, right? Divergent with, people. Divergent, very different with tremendous weight. Um, and it's believable. And I can already see while it's not connected directly to the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe, I can see, you know, Steven and Mark both interacting with other heroes in the Marvel Universe one day. I can see where they can fit in. And I also like the fact that this show is not that connected at all to the larger Marvel universe. It's in its own set 
kind of timeline and series going on. We don't have to talk that much. There's a little reference to Thanos, I believe, in episode two. But aside from that, we don't really have much of that larger world building. And I don't think you need it. You know, I think it's actually refreshing to have a separate story that's not tied to all this stuff at all. The big question they're going to have to answer and that I think is going to get answered is like, how long has Moon Knight been operating? Um, and no one like I mean, it hasn't come up <laughs> like where like, are the like, Avengers like shield wasn't on this like, like yeah. shield wasn't on this and then also like episode three I rewatched episode three last night um which after watching episode four I'm gonna you're, you're all gonna want to rewatch all of this show okay because you gotta you're gonna try to have to try to pick up on things episode three I'm like where are the Avengers when Kanshi was over here messing with the sky like <laughs> What is going on? But those questions that aren't too nagging for you, because the story is so good. The characters are so good. The the costume, the mummy type of thing they did with the costume, it's sick. The idea of avatars for Egyptian gods as a guy who is obsessed with Egyptian culture, I think it's brilliant. Give me more, you know? So I've been in love with Moon Knight and I'm really hoping it sticks the landing um, in the end because it has been really enjoyable so far. It's also a character I didn't really know much about, which I think we're going to see more of. Is like a lot of characters that we don't really know much about are going to start getting a lot more spotlight. I'm worried about mm. Phase Four because of the importance of the multiverse. It's mm. a good trick. When I was a kid, the what ifs were my favorites. I love them. Like, I'd pick up my Captain America comics. I'd pick up X-Men. And if there was a what if, I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm now seeing what would happen if, if Iron Man built Captain America a suit. Like, all of this stuff, which is great. I have, I have a frame of a what if with that actual storyline. Like, it's oh, literally that. in a frame with some of my favorite comic book covers ever. My concern is, with the multiverse, it allows you to do a lot of carnival tricks. Mm. And are you actually establishing something? Or do you just get to do was basically like fan service and say... All right, well, yeah, we're going to play around with this whole thing. And we know that Chadwick Boseman died, but you know what we could do with the multiverse out there? We could we could take Killmonger and make him Black Panther. Like, like I, I think that there are, some, there are some trappings to having that available. As someone who watches this really closely, you, you are in the know when it comes to the development of some of this stuff. Are you for this idea, or do you think there should be some caution in in the way they go about this? Yeah, your concerns are the same as mine. I think caution is necessary because you don't want the multiverse to be a, a trick or a, or, or a a bailout in a sense. Yes, you know, um, a bailout of consequences. Yeah, yeah, you don't want that. Like, oh, well, yeah, this happened in this universe, but, you know, we're just going to shuffle the deck and, you know, you know, it gets old after a while. 
And so I'm hoping that Marvel doesn't ruin that novelty of it all. That's going to be the big challenge for them. I, the Infinity Saga, the fact that Marvel pulled that off was incredible, right? But if they pull this off, I think it's even more incredible because it looks like what they're trying to set up is secret wars, yep. the multiversal war that Kang talked about in Loki. That seems like the big play. That's that's ambitious, man. super ambitious. And I have I'm gonna be honest from reading the comic. I don't know how much desire I have in seeing variants of Tony Stark or variants of Thor, you know, like I don't need it. Like there's a there's a rumor going around. So, you know, that Tom Cruise is originally, you know, in talks. He was in talks early back in the day to play Tony Stark before they cast Robert Downey Jr. Thank goodness Tom Cruise didn't take it because I really can't see that happening. But there's rumors out there that they've approached Tom Cruise about being the variant version of Tony Stark Iron Man in future movies, whether that happens in Doctor Strange or not, who knows? I have no desire for that. I think that's just cheap. There's only one Iron Man. And yeah, technically, yeah, there can be others in the multiverse, right? But like, I, mm -mm. you built, I don't you built a see. whole franchise on it. Yeah, it's too soon, too. It's still too soon. We just, we just, Endgame, yeah, it was a little bit ago, but it really wasn't. <laughs> you got to give us at least five to 10 years before I see another Iron Man. Come on. Or, so or I, if you're going to do it, then it's got to be Ironheart and it's got to be Riri Williams. Right, which they're, they're doing Ironheart, which I'm fine with, right? What, here's one thing I'm, I'm, I'm scared about. It's not multiverse specific. It's more so these characters, right? Are these characters interesting enough to warrant the spotlight they're about to get? I say that, and this maybe, maybe this is just the way it is, and maybe this is, it just comes with aging. Um, you know, I grew up on Tony Stark, Iron Man, Steve Rogers, Captain America, and so on. And the, so Hulk. the Hulk, the Hulk, T'Challa, Black Panther, all of that. I really don't have a desire to see Anthony Mackie's Falcon be Captain America. Great show. Cool concept. I get I get that. And I felt it. I felt it as a black man. OK, I did. Don't cancel me. I felt it. <laughs> But <laughs> is it going to be as impactful having him as Captain America as Steve Rogers? Not at all. It just it, it doesn't feel the same. And it didn't, it didn't feel the same in the comic to me. Captain Marvel, they did a terrible job with her movie. I still maintain because she's the only character that spent the entire movie not knowing who she was in a movie where we got to figure out who she is. Mm. Where we're supposed, you're supposed to be introducing us to the character and she don't even know her character like that is a key flaw and then you're going to give us this miss marvel tv show it's supposed to be a you know a, you know this legacy theme with marvel someone who's inspired by captain marvel yet i don't i don't think it's realistic at all from what i've seen so far that anybody would be captivated by captain marvel we haven't seen her on earth enough <laughs> like she's she's dipping off to different planets why would anybody on earth care that much about captain marvel with her so with her lie. mary j blige haircut yeah with the haircuts <laughs> that always change and I, I love brie larson give her a better script give her time to shine because i still argue that that one scene in endgame where thor has the hammer go past her or whatever 
was the best character moment we got out of Captain Marvel. That was better than anything in her movie. That's not right. So I'm nervous. I'm nervous on that end for what they're going to do. How are these characters, how are we going to go forward with this? Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman passing away was really unfortunate, really tragic, right? But Marvel coming out right out right and saying we're not going to recast, that's a mistake. Agreed. I'm worried about that. Like, like there's, there's a lot of things here. X-Men. I don't want to get the X-Men too soon because how do you explain it? Well, it's the multiverse. Eh, like, are we going to use it as a crutch? Or can I, can I get a real organic reason for the X-Men being introduced? Does it have to be right away? Fantastic Four. Like, there's so many things here that I just, I'm, I'm nervous about where are we going and the longevity of it all. But the funny thing about it, Lawrence, is that I was, you know, I, I teach a Columbia College class. I was talking to my students about this, and I was like, guys, I don't even know if this Marvel thing is going to be able to be as powerful in 10 years. Mm. And they booed me. They, tomato, tomato, tomato. What do you mean? We love Kamala Khan. We want Miles Morales Spider-Man. I'm like, okay, cool. All right. So maybe I'm just not the audience anymore, right? Well, it's there, time to get a new generation. There's part of me that felt like mm -hmm. Endgame was a goodbye. Like, I, there's part yeah. of me that felt like, hey, all of you kids that grew up with Marvel and, mm -hmm. and couldn't wait, and those of you who were forced to watch the horrible S.H.I.E.L.D. movie where David Hasselhoff plays Nick Fury and right. Lisa Renna plays Maria Hill, all of you all, we gave you what you always wanted, and we paid it off. Like, we, mm -hmm. we, we gave you 10 years, and we paid it off. Thank you for your service and the billions upon billions of dollars that you gave us. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to go talk to a whole new generation of people. And mm -hmm. and we, I'm I'm concerned and you're significantly younger than I am. But I think <laughs> but, but I think that you have an old soul. And I, I think do. that I think that you were along for that ride and they might have just let all of us off Bpo. Like we we might have all just been told make some room because we about to do some stuff that you're not ready for. They, if that's the case, I, I, it's a gamble because they got a lot of building to do. You got to make me care about these characters. Moon Knight's doing it. I care about Moon Knight. It's I, only I, been three episodes. I cared about Kang, but it was all on the power of Jonathan right. Major's performance. Oh, he was so good. He was so good. And yeah. and like even just that one scene. Now, look, I am someone. My podcast is called House of L, and it's called House of L for two reasons. Uh -huh. One, because of superman in the house uh, of l also because of house of m which is one of mm -hmm. my favorite books in marvel history mm -hmm. and if if they are going to give me that if, if that's why they have put scarlet witch up front if that's why the rumors of patrick stewart being in the multiverse movie if they're going to give me house of m at the end of this i'm super right. excited but i might be alone in that you know, and, and who knows where it I'd all love goes. House of M. You're not alone. I'd love House of M. I feel like it's the obvious choice. I mean, the way they're building Wanda out, House of M seems like the way to go. Essentially, WandaVision kind of took some elements of that. Yeah. Oh, so, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. So why not do more? Multiverse and Madness may even take some more from it, right? We actually might be getting House of M um, out of Multiverse of Madness. I'm, I'm curious to see... We still don't know that much about Multiverse of Bands, which I love. I, I think they've done an excellent job with the teaser trailers 
yeah. of letting us think we're getting exactly what we want mm-hmm. and not telling us a damn thing about what this movie actually is about. <laughs> I think that whoever edited the trailer was genius oh, on it. Because yeah. I'm like, oh, wait, I think I just saw you know what? I don't know what's happening. Like that that is how I've in- consumed all of those. Before I let you go, I want to ask you one more TV thing. Okay. Because cool. I know that this is part of your beat. I am a huge fan of Donald Glover. Oh, I yeah. I think as a creative, he is one of the best that are going. To me, this is super high praise because I, I hold this very close to me. Ozymandias, that episode was so good that I only compare, I compare great television to that. Like, Mm. so now I think Better Call Saul is to that level now. I think that it's to that Mm. level. And I feel like episodes one and episodes four of Atlanta season three has been mm-hmm. some of the best television I've ever seen. Yeah. You know what? I'm with you 100%. Episode, that's that the cool thing about Atlanta is that it takes the societal issues and doesn't unpack them the way you'd expect. I think that's what I like the most. It, there's a lot of routes that can go that would be so easy and frankly would be a little predictable. And that's that's the, the job of shows like Blackish and stuff like that. But what Atlanta does is it challenges your expectations, challenges your perspectives, and yeah, bruh, episode four I'm still reeling from. Yes! What a great episode. When we talk about the reparations thing, right? To do a reparations episode, I would imagine typical writers would have some typical ideas. And this did not go at all the way that I think a reparations episode. He said Atlanta's going to have a reparations episode. This was not what I would have expected. And I love it. The, the, The writing, the cinematography, the characters, and the way they're able to step away. This is the other thing, too. Yes. There's a narrative, right? There's they they follow a plot line and a narrative of, you know. Earn and his cousin Paperboy and, you know, helping him and supporting him and trying to make money. Okay, that's the overlying plot, but it still treats itself and gives itself time to step away from all that and dig into some larger things. And I'm very curious with this season. They're throwing in some dots of these kind of ghosts, these spirits of, you know, of dead black people. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering where that's going and how, because what we've seen in past Atlanta seasons is there's a theme. Yep. Right. And if they take a diversion, that diversion has a point. It's not just a random diversion. The reparations episode was not random. Episode one was not random, you know? And if you go back and watch then two and three in the latest episode and see these microaggressions that they go through, uh, throughout their time and the, on this European tour, then you subvert that with the kind of more extreme and 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 wild side with these two episode four and episode one. It, it creates a nice dichotomy. So I'm really curious what they're about to do. But 
this is how the show needed to come back. It's been a long time. We've been waiting a long time for this, man. And I've been even saying it shouldn't take this long. <laughs> We've seen multiple seasons of shows. Marvel's cranking out TV. Can't blame the pandemic anymore. But they came correct. And now I'm like, all right, if you're going to do this every time, take all the time you need because this is next level elite storytelling. I heard Zazie Beats on Mark Marin's podcast. You should listen to her episode. She's very interesting. And she was talking about how this season is very much like there's a lot of truth in what Donald went through on his European tour. So put it in put it in your queue for things that you need to check out because I think that you would enjoy uh, that interview very much. Man, Absolutely. I really appreciate this. I'm I'm so happy for you. I'm I'm happy that all of this is working in your favor and I think that you do a tremendous job and I'm I'm hopeful uh, as as I told you earlier that that on the block is going to get copied because it's that good and it makes all the sense in the world. Oh man. I appreciate that. I appreciate your support, your love and everything, man. Uh you one of the best in the biz and you know just to to be able to to be on with you and to be invited by you to talk about this stuff, uh, it, it's amazing, bro. So I definitely appreciate you and want to give you your flowers as well. Thank you. That's nice. It's nice to get you flowers. Uh, <laughs> what kind of flowers you want? You want you want some daisies? You want some lilies? What you want? I am a a a tulips guy. Like that that makes me happy. Like I I enjoy some very pretty tulips. It's all good. Um, <laughs> Go on with your night. I know you got baseball to watch. Be well. I'll talk to you soon. I'll catch you later, buddy. All right, bro. See you, man. Later. As per usual, whenever I have conversations with Brandon Pope, they're always enlightening. Whether we are talking about his beloved Ohio State Buckeyes or my beloved Alabama Crimson Tide, or if we're talking about news or any other big subject but we can also get into these conversations about marvel and 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 let me tell you that this part it's the sauce right that that's the sauce of the conversation that we had outside of journalism brought to you by Aurelio's. go get yourself some pizza it's so good my order is a small half pepperoni half sausage oh so good and if you're ordering from homewood order out of the old oven i promise you It'll change your life. They also have, you know what? I haven't, I haven't run this by Joe. I haven't talked to him about it, but uh, on the dessert menu, fam. They've got a fried dough dish that is pretty awesome. Got the dipping sauce there. Talking about it's the sauce. They got the dipping sauce there, and that is problematic. So, Go and enjoy that. Go and enjoy that over at Aurelio's. When Brandon and I were talking about Marvel, like the, the multiverse thing does scare me a little bit because you can just kind of retcon everything. You can just be like, oh, yeah, you know, this, sure, this person... This person uh, doesn't exist anymore. Well, we are able to bring them back. It's a way to wipe away a ton of stuff. And I'm concerned with some of the storytelling that is then going to go on 
because you're able to just say, nah, we was just playing. We were just playing with all of that. And we're able to, oh, nope, that's not the universe that that person is from. I, it's, it's a cool device, and it's one that I've loved since I was a little kid. But you have to be careful with that. Like, don't, don't mess around. It's, it's kind of like gambling, and you want to make sure. I mean, I know we're talking about superhero movies, but the integrity of the stories, like, that means something. It shouldn't just be able to be wiped away. I also thought it was interesting what B. Pope was saying about Iron Man. I don't know that I fully agree. Like in thinking about it after we were finished talking, I do think there is room for an, another Iron Man, but I would need for it to be. Um, I would need for it. It like they gonna have to run it by me. Like Kevin Feige and the boys gonna have to run that by me. They're not running anything by me. But I hope that you enjoyed it. Also, before I go, I want to thank you. Like We we re-upped with Drizzly. And I know that inside this episode, you heard the commercial in the middle of, of the episode. We up with Drizzly. Re-upped with Drizzly. And I want to tell you, that's partly because you helped us with that. If you don't know what Drizzly is, Drizzly is they it's the... It's the Uber Eats of the drink world. What you can do is you can order beer, wine, and spirits, and then they will bring it to your house. I ran out of margarita mix, and I used Drizzly. And they brought it and a couple of bottles of, I I like Snoop's wine, the 19 Crimes, a couple bottles of that over and because I was ordering, I was like, I might as well get a bottle of rum, too. I have so much rum in my house, I'll never drink it all. But I really like rum. The crazy part is, I think I like smelling rum even more than I like drinking it. So I've got rum from all over the world. Um, and I'm, I'm excited about that. Mel actually gifted me some rum from Hawaii. And I don't want to drink it because it's really good. I think it's called Kula. K-U-L-A. It smells divine. Any hoozle. Drizzly delivered all of that stuff over to the house. So if you're going to have, if, if you're already doing food, let Drizzly hook you up with this too. And if you're new, if, if you download the Drizzly app, and you, your first order, if you use the code FAST5, F-A-S-T, and then the number 5, they're going to give you $5 off your order. So thank you for helping us out because Drizzly was like, yeah, we want to stay on the podcast. And I was like, hell yeah, because we need to keep the lights on. And so they were able to come through, and it was really, really good. So FAST5 is the promo code, F-A-S-T-5. Download the app, first order, $5 off. So go nuts and tag me and tag Drizzly on social. That would be helpful for sure. Shows them the the reach and the power of this here podcast. Now do it. We thank you for your support with all of our advertisers, whether it's Vincero or... 
with Drizzly or especially Aurelio's. Thank you so much for helping us out. Like it really does matter. Like that's the stuff that that's the stuff that matters to me. Like if if we hook up with companies that we actually use and we can build a relationship with, like that's the best. Like what the sports adjacent guys are doing with sheets and giggles, man. I even got some sheets and it was awesome. If you use the code SA, very simple. The letter S and the letter A. I know I'm throwing a lot of promo codes at you. But if you order Sheets and Giggles and use that code, you get 23% off. Can't beat that. Thanks for your support. We will have another. I got a bunch of interviews in the can, man, and they're all money. If you didn't go and listen to the Paul Conrad episode, do yourself a favor and go back and listen to it. Make sure you check out On the Block on WCIU Thursdays at 7 p.m. I will talk to you next time. Peace. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.